0: You are listening to the Lazy Equity Podcast, brought to you by Bobby Hieri and Darren Venter, founders of the Investors Agency and Deba. With over 20 years' experience in real estate between them and having bought hundreds, if not thousands of properties around the country, you are in the right place to learn all things property. This
1: podcast is designed to educate and empower everyday Aussies to take control of their future through property. Hey guys and welcome to episode 15 of the Lazy Equity podcast and in this episode I'm super excited to have a very special guest on the show. She's been part of the team for just under 12 months now and she's been such an asset to the investors agency. She's in the trenches daily finding the best deals for our clients and doing an amazing job at it. Christy Nelson, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks Bobby, nice to be here.
1: you (laughs) Are you excited to be here on this first podcast? I
0: am, I'm a bit nervous (laughs) but I'm excited so it's good.
1: Well, that puts more pressure on me because my job is to make the guests less nervous. And I always say going on a podcast is much easier than hosting a podcast. So,
0: Okay, well, (laughs) this this is my first time, so we'll see how it (laughs) goes.
1: All right, cool. So for the listeners in this podcast, pretty much what we want to do is get them familiar with you and who you are. And obviously you are in the trenches daily helping our clients get amazing results. And it is important that the clients get some familiarity or more so the followers get some familiar, familiarity with who you are and what you do. Yeah. So it's going to be more a bit more personal, but also a bit more about what you've learned, I guess, why you've been with us and, and we'll just start the conversation and go from there.
0: Perfect. Sounds good.
1: Cool. So why don't you tell the listeners a bit about who you are personally?
0: So I actually was born in South Africa and then I moved to England when I was about 14. Most of my working career, I've actually been in the fitness industry. So I moved to Australia about almost nine years ago. Before I came here, I wasn't really sure what I wanted in my life to be perfectly honest. I had a client back in the day a long time ago and she um, actually made most of her wealth through property. Okay. And
1: when you said when you came to Australia you weren't sure what you wanted?
0: Yeah, I think literally most of my working career I haven't really known exactly what I want to do and I just fell into fitness because I was very sporty growing up. Sure. So just love sport, love to be fitness. If love to be fit, love to be active. Sure. So I just fell into the fitness industry more so and then didn't really ever know what I wanted to do. There was a client back in the day, like probably about 12 years ago that had a lot of wealth through property. And I remember just thinking she was absolute goals and I wanted that one day, but never really thought much of it. I did work in the real estate industry for like a year just following school. I worked just as a sales agent and so I had a little bit of an understanding of, The investment world and property world, but didn't really have a full understanding like I do now. Sure. But yeah, I moved to Australia about nine years ago and just haven't looked back. I just love it over here.
1: What would you say the biggest difference is? I know it was was only 12 months working on the sales side, but what was your experience then in comparison to what it is now on the buying side?
0: Well, obviously, back then I was a lot younger, so I didn't really have the same kind of drive, I don't think, as what I do now so yeah. i didn't have the same drive to understand the industry yeah. um that's probably the biggest difference but in terms of sales in comparison to to buying it was more just local selling back then so obviously we're looking all across the country for properties that are suitable as investments not just local and yeah i think it's just completely different to be honest there's not really that many similarities apart from just being in the same industry is totally different being in the buying side in comparison to selling.
1: Yeah, and probably also like we, we also think uh, one, the difference is the buying in comparison to the selling, but then also selling owner occupied properties in yeah. comparison to buying investment only. There's no, yeah. uh, we use this sort of term quite often that there's no emotion or there's no romance in in buying an investment property. It's purely a data back decision.
0: Yeah. Well that's what we try to help our clients understand is that we shouldn't be making decisions based on our emotions and looking at like the pretty property. We should be looking at the data, where it's gonna perform, what kind of home is going to perform and what kind of home is going to get you the best long-term performance as well as short-term as well without too much maintenance along the way. So there's so many factors that we look at when looking for a good investment property and that that is all what is just like, it's blow my mind really in terms of what I've learned and the kind of things that we look out for. And I think a lot of people probably without engaging in kind of a buyer's agent service in some way might oversee a lot of those kind of a lot of the things that we look for because most people will have more of a mindset of like your owner-occupier purchase because I suppose society has always kind of driven us to eventually maybe meet your person and then you settle down and you might buy a house together and I think for me personally that was always Quite like I suppose uh, that was my vision, and that was what I thought was realistic for myself. Yeah, and I think a lot of females and people my age, or I think a lot of females particularly, we kind of think, oh, we'll we'll buy something when we meet our person, we settle down, and we're going to have a family. That's when I'll buy a property, and yeah. that's I suppose the biggest shift in in the way I think.
1: Yeah, and and that's sort of that's a good segue into why we wanted to get you on the show as well because. There is, there is this misconception of investors and and, uh, and and who investors are, and and you just touched on that growing up, you have this perception or you have this belief that you need to grow up and buy that forever home. And, yeah. and what we're seeing now is that's becoming less and less common that yeah. people are rent vesting. And rent investing is essentially you rent where you want to live. Yeah. And then you're investing in other markets around the country that generate more cash flow and are far more affordable. Yeah. So that's becoming uh, a lot more common. And, and one of the reasons we wanted to get you on is because we feel like your story would resonate a lot more with a lot of the people that potentially follow the investors agency or follow you. Mm. Leading into the first question I wanted to ask, What's what do you think the big thing you've learned in terms of what was your perception of investing prior, and what is it now that you've been with us for twelve months?
0: I think my my perception on investing prior to working at CIA was more so it, it kind of seemed a little bit out of reach for me. It was
1: investing did
0: investing on the whole. I think kind of seems like something the wealthy people do. Yeah. <laughs> and growing up in South Africa, we we had very minimal, like we, a lot of things kind of set you back in in South Africa. We had quite a lot of crime happen to my family and things like that, where we had to kind of start back from scratch. And I think literally my cycle of thought has always been just survival mode. Yeah, I think you always just living in South Africa, particularly you're always in just survival mode. You never really think different people are different. This is just my experience, but you don't really think about trying to set yourself ahead in like this extreme way. Like, I don't yeah. know. There's so many ways, so many things that I've learned now that it just really is available to anyone as long as they have the plan and the strategy and the know-how of trying to invest, whether yeah. it's in, in property or something else. Yeah, I personally extre- like massively see the um, benefit in, in, investing in property, obviously. But before working here, I didn't really think it was within my reach. So that's the biggest difference.
1: Yeah, probably because correct me if I'm wrong, but Growing up in South Africa, I don't know what it was like. I never grew up there, but Iran's <laughs> probably relatively similar. I didn't grow up there, but I got lots of family there. Yeah. You don't have an abundance mindset; you're more—it's yeah. a scarcity mindset. Where that's probably
0: very true. Where yeah, it's
1: just like whatever you get, whatever you take, and whatever you get can very easily be taken from you.
0: That's very very true. Yeah, so, I think so. Yeah. yeah, and I think also, like my parents were incredible parents and. My mom and dad literally worked their butts off their entire life, but I think they always worked their butts off just to pay the bills. Yeah. And they never had a lot of savings behind them or yeah. any kind of strategy in investing, and I never learned that from from them. Yeah. So, I think my parents' perception on kind of trying to be wealthy one day was to maybe one day have your own business or something along those lines. So that's always been in the back of my mind. And I did have my own fitness business before starting here, Yeah, which I think there's, I think property is really just such a good tool to use to be able to create that, that wealth. And without just grinding like day in, day out, working two, three jobs, I think it's a way of enjoying your life and creating wealth without like letting the property do the work for you rather than you just working day in, day out, nonstop just to provide for your children.
1: Yeah. You touched on a few things there that are really interesting. And I think one of the reasons why you've got such good work work ethic and, and Darren as well and, and, yeah. and, and Mike as well. I mean, we're so lucky that everyone here is such a good work ethic, but yeah. generally speaking, mm-hmm. I would say, and some people might get angry at me for saying this, <laughs> but generally speaking, I would say those who have seen their parents struggle a lot yeah. more are the ones that have the hardest work ethic and and strive to to do the best for themselves and then for the younger generation, for their, for their kids and so forth as well. Yeah. Whereas I feel like if you grow up and you've had quite an easy life or you, you see your parents have quite an easy life because mm. they got things handed down to them and your parents didn't work that hard, then that doesn't get instilled to you at a young age as well again yeah. some people might get angry at me for saying that but I feel like it's just when I look at when I look around generally that's what I find there are exceptions to the rule but
0: yeah I, I definitely think that work, work ethic is um hereditary I, I well, not hereditary necessarily but it's it's nurture over nature it's like you you do what you've it's monkey see, monkey do, right? Yeah. Like I've literally watched my parents work their bus off my entire life. And that's, that's what I've learned that we have to do to survive, but that's what you have to do to succeed. Yeah, And you are right. There's probably some people that were fortunate enough to grow up in a family where maybe their parents did have generational wealth where, although they probably worked really hard, it might not have, being as a parent, because they did have that abundance, and they did have that kind of probably a little bit more of a just easier ride, I suppose. Yeah, uh, it's you can never really say it's easier because everyone has their own struggles. struggles but yeah. financially, probably not needing to literally work your butt off to to get where you are.
1: Yeah, well, there's this saying, and I can't remember what the exact quote was, but it's it's along the lines of um, easy times create tough tough people, tough times create easy uh, tough times. I'm not even going to bother trying to say it because I can't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll uh, I'll find the quote and I'll put it in Good the show. Long, <laughs> <laughs> I'll find. I could get the editor to cut this out, but I think I'll leave it in. I'll just put the, uh, the quote in the show notes. But it's it's along the lines of like, yeah, I tried to explain it just before, but you guys will see it in the show notes anyway. <laughs> Maybe we'll. We'll, cut we'll have out.
0: to make a little. Uh, <laughs> just as next to our <laughs> podcast
1: how funny so what do you think for those for those that are that are not investing and and we know there are a lot of people out there who think that it's impossible for them or to think that it's for the super wealthy yeah. or whatever it might be what do you think the biggest opportunity that is being missed right now is is for those people
0: oh gosh My, like again I just cannot describe how much my mind has been blown since working here in terms of what kind of opportunity there is. Everything I've learned, I think the, the biggest power that the biggest power that property gives you is that, that, that leverage that you're using the bank's money and it's not only your money. So the way I see it and it's so exciting that I just need to save for that first property that is all I need to do. And that just seems so within reach. Yeah. Once I've saved for that first property, you, you let your property do the work to be able to buy your second one. So you use the equity on that first one. Obviously, we're only buying strong growth markets. So we're yeah. buying in markets that you're going to see growth on your property. So we're not buying to sell and then get the money back from that. You're buying to use that first one to then All that equity. And for anyone who may not know what that means, is that your property, say for instance, I bought a $500,000 property in the markets that we're buying in, it's at least 10% growth that we're getting our clients, and most of the time more than that. So if you think of 10% growth, first 12 months, right?
1: First 12 months, yeah.
0: So First 12 months, you're looking at at least getting 50 grand on a $500,000 property. You can then use that 50 grand as your deposit for property number two. So as long as you can afford to hold those loans, but the other thing that we're doing is also trying to find properties that almost pay for themselves. Yeah. It's a little bit more difficult at the moment with interest rates being a bit higher yeah. to find properties that pay for themselves, but I still believe that it's well worth it yeah. because putting that money into a savings account or putting it into that property, your property is going to perform way better than any kind of savings account that you can find out there. Yeah. So
1: yeah, hundred percent. And, and like you just mentioned $500,000 and mm-hmm. I think that's important to sort of um, touch on that because a lot of people might think, oh, well, it's, it's good and well to try save your first deposit. Yeah. But for those living in Sydney or Melbourne they might think your first deposit might be a $200,000 deposit yeah. which is obviously not the case right And I right? think
0: also that's one of the biggest things that I've learned is because especially coming to Sydney from living I lived in the northwest of England so property over there is a lot cheaper than it is down in London so it's not even anywhere near comparable it probably is the similarity of like regional Queensland in comparison to Sydney.
1: Okay, so um, for those that for those who might not know regional Queensland, some of the markets we're buying in are around $400,000. Yeah. And Sydney, your median house price has actually just dropped to under a million, but yeah. Northern Beaches is around $2 million. So yeah. that's how much the discrepancy is. That's probably
0: is. the difference between the northwest of England and down south in, wow. in London, depending on the property, obviously. Yeah. But you can afford a property with even £100,000, so that's £200,000. Yeah. So that is also the biggest shock for me because I lived in the north of England. Coming to Sydney, it was a big slap in the face of, oh, wow, welcome to Sydney. You're never going to be able to afford a property here. That's kind of the way I thought. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what what can I actually do? And I've tried literally... It's been a bit hard. It's been a bit of a rough ride since I've been in Sydney because I've literally just trying been trying to get myself ahead the entire time that I've been here. Yeah. But I haven't ever been in a, I suppose, financially stable job where I can actually start to get some savings behind me. So yeah. I'm so appreciative that so appreciative that I'm now in that position that yeah. I can start to get some savings behind me. Also, though, I think... Touching on that, it's a lot harder to have a saving mentality when you don't know what you're saving for. Yeah. And I think knowing when that you have that big slap in the face of like, okay, to buy a property, you're going to need a million dollars in Sydney. I think that just seems so out of reach, out of reach. that I yeah. just didn't bother 100%. because I was like, I'm never going to get there. Like, I, I, how am I going to save that money on my own? Yeah. So it just kind of forces like not forces you it makes you just I suppose not really start your saving journey and obviously I tried to save but you don't know what you're saving for and when it seems so out of reach it's very off-putting yeah whereas I think the biggest thing is for people to realize that you can buy an investment we bought amazing investments with just like $350,000 and I think there's also so much opportunity in that because Australia is such a young country that like that $350,000 purchase now is going to be worth so much more in years to come yep. and there is still so much opportunity. Yes, we have missed the boat on opportunity in Sydney yep. or Melbourne. Maybe not completely. There obviously is still opportunity there and there will still be growth in these in these states as well. Yep. However, that growth will probably be a long way away and also it's a lot more expensive to buy and to hold those properties. Yeah. But for me, I really want to help people understand that you can start with just as little as, say, $60,000. It will get you your 10% deposit and then pay your stamp duty, that kind of thing. You would hold that property. Hopefully with that 10% increase, that property will be worth 385000 in the first year and then yeah. it might be worth another 10% after that. So yeah. then you use that. First two, Obviously, if you're buying smaller, it's going to take you a bit longer to get enough equity to buy your second one. Yeah. But in two years' time, you could buy your second one just off the equity. So I like to try tell people it's a buy one, get one free scenario yeah. <laughs> to a certain extent, like you're buying your first one and your second one almost comes for free from the bank's money.
1: 100%. Yeah, definitely. So that's what we tell people all the time when you hear these people that have got Five, six, seven, 10 properties. They're not saving a deposit every time. No. They might save a deposit for the first one, if they, especially if they don't have parents or other assistance. Yeah. Sometimes they might save a deposit for their second, but often they won't. But pretty much from there, after your first one, if that first property performs correctly, you can uh, snowball that that into yeah. into future properties. And it's essentially your first two properties that are the hardest. From there, it gets easier and easier. As long as people are also looking at the yield as well. Like a lot of people just focus on the capital growth. And we speak to people all the time who are equity rich. They've got lots of equity in their property portfolio, but they can't actually access any more funds because they cash flow poor. So you want to have the right balance of the two.
0: Yeah, definitely. And that's where it's worthwhile having a conversation with someone who can advise you of the strategy. So having a really good broker in your corner, potentially having a financial advisor for to map out your financial future. And then obviously a buyer's agent, which is going to help you to make the right decisions on where to buy. And I think there's so much value in that, that people, obviously I'm not, I'm. this is not my purpose of saying this isn't to, I suppose, sell our services. It's just because I have literally seen the value yeah. firsthand in what we're finding for our clients that they would not have found on their own. Yeah not only in terms of where to buy and what to buy so you're not making mistakes because imagine how heartbroken you would be if you did take your first 60 grand that you've worked so hard for to save yeah. and you put it into a property that doesn't perform and then you just like, oh. That would
1: be so deflating. 100%. And we see that happen often where people, more so in the apartment market, I'll be honest, but I've probably spoken to five or six people just in the past three weeks that bought an apartment in Sydney. Most of them were in Parramatta sure I can't get in trouble for saying where it was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, being discriminated to a suburb, I'm sure that's fine. But most of them were in Parramatta. And the, I mean, this is what we talk about. That if there's an oversupply in an area, then you're not going to see capital growth. Yeah, they bought sure. a property in Parramatta uh, eight, nine years ago, and it's cheaper than what it was eight, nine years ago. Yeah. Or they bought a property in Melbourne ten years ago, uh, and it's decreased in value since then. So most of these horror stories that you hear are in areas where there is an oversupply of apartments, but you yeah. can get these horror stories buying like – properties in areas where there's an abundance of land as well on the outskirts of cities. Yeah. So you are right in saying you either want to make sure your due diligence is a hundred percent and you're very confident in the decision you're making. Mm-hmm. Um or if not, you, you want to pay for pay for some advice. And again, it's not a plug plug to us, but no. it's just it's it's it, it is in a very, very expensive the biggest decision of someone's life. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. you want to make sure you're making that right decision.
0: hundred percent. Like you, you want to make sure that you're well advised from every corner and yeah. that you're going to be putting your money where it's going to work for you because I know personally if I was to put 60 grand into my first property, I'd probably, that's my strategy at the moment is probably to try save 60 yeah. and buy that first one. Yeah. So I know that I would be heartbroken if that money wasn't well spent and and that is why it's just really important that you are advised. And then also on the on the other side of it, I suppose you just, yeah, I mean, I I don't want to plug our services too much. I feel like. (laughs) Go on,
1: Christy, plug it. I
0: I was just going to say that the amount of properties that I've found for people that are just like substantially, like there's one that I think we purchased that was like 50 grand under market value where. You're just not gonna get that doing it on your own unless you're very well educated in the market. Yeah. So that is the kind of thing that obviously I know now that I didn't know before.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, well, yeah. that's enough plugging the business. Yeah. Um, <laughs> why don't we do? Why don't we give the listeners? You're obviously on the ground doing deals all the time. So why don't we give a quick rundown of? Look, we're doing pretty much all our buying at the moment across Queensland. South Australia, or I should say Queensland, Adelaide and Perth, because we're only buying Metro Adelaide and Perth yep. in some selected areas. Uh, why don't we tell the listeners what are you seeing on the ground at the moment? Have you seen a shift over the last few months? What do you What are you finding there doing these deals? Why don't we start with? I'll let you start with whichever regions you're, you you prefer.
0: So yes, there has been a shift. Definitely, there's been a shift to people's mentality more so. Within I think
1: buyers' mentality. Buyers' or
0: mentality and sellers so what what i'm seeing a lot of in let's just say our western australia markets is that a lot of your owner occupier homes are very slow to come to the market yep. because owner occupiers are nervous about putting their property on the market because they don't know what they're going to get on the other side when they, they sell, they don't know of, where,
1: what they're going to be able to buy, right? Yeah,
0: So, and two reasons for that is interest rates and a bit of property scarcity. Yeah. There's not many listings coming on the market in most of the markets that we're purchasing in, and yeah. that's because of people being a little bit fearful to put their property on the market. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think some of the kind of entry-level properties are still performing very well. Yeah. And the reason for that is affordability. So some people obviously can't afford some of their more expensive loans anymore because they've taken them out when interest rates have been substantially lower. Now they can't afford it. They have to go for something a little bit cheaper. So there's a bit more competition in those kind of smaller budget properties.
1: And we, we, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. We see that A lot, and that's one of the things we talk about, the debt-to-income ratio within an area. So areas where there is higher amounts of debt, uh, assuming that the income doesn't keep up with that debt, which it often doesn't, that's where we're seeing the biggest correction or that's where we're seeing the biggest slowdown. Uh, So look at Sydney's eastern suburbs, Sydney's northern beaches, Melbourne in general, Sydney in general, even we're seeing it across the other states as well in the higher value markets. They've had the biggest correction. That's right. I think there's obviously your top percentile of $8, 9000000 million plus, which most of those people buy properties without a mortgage, they just do cash. So that interest rate, I think that market is 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 on its own. That doesn't yeah. get affected. But sort of anything under that where people upgrading or getting into a loan to, to purchase their property, um, that's where we are seeing that biggest slowdown.
0: Yeah, definitely. So obviously, yeah, around here, um, there could be a good opportunity to buy in those states at the moment because there definitely will be a bit of a downturn or a correction, as you say, in the market. Yeah. But these states where you're purchasing in where there is lower debt and there is still affordable properties you'll that's where you see your growth yeah so that's why we're buying where we're buying because we know how the markets move it's yeah. proven year after year of how how the cycles work with property and yeah. where it becomes more affordable that's where people are going to move and that's where obviously if you're getting at the right time it's going to get more competitive due to the demand yep. and then that's going to push up the value of those homes yeah um, exactly and yeah and i think obviously as population naturally increases over over the years more and more people are going to start to m- migrate over to australia again and i think the population forecast for australia on the whole is definitely going to only go one way yeah. and that's up and So no matter where you are, I think there will still obviously be that growth in most markets, well, in all markets, I think, over long term, obviously. But it just depends at certain times of which market will perform and which market won't. And then just to touch, I suppose, uh, on what you said about, like, the high-debt areas. So one thing I get asked a lot by some friends is that, like, should they buy now in Sydney? as an investment because prices are coming down. Yeah. And you could argue that, yes, that's that's a really good idea, but the answer is really whether you can afford to hold that property. So it comes back to where you can afford to pay the repayments on that home because yep. if you're buying an investment, let's just use even a, a million-dollar two-bedroom apartment in Sydney, that's going to get you probably around $700, $800 a week rent, yep. which will be nowhere near enough to pay the the repayments on that property so the interest repayments and all of the expenses on that home yeah um much. in comparison to buying somewhere else where you can potentially even buy two with the same money yep. and they pay for themselves almost so you get in that growth potentially on two properties rather than one which you're actually struggling to pay
1: yeah so let's let's for those those for those listeners let's break that down so you could buy two properties for $500,000 each, so you're still spending a million dollars. For those $500,000 properties, a reasonable expectation of rent would be around $600 a week. Would that be a reasonable expectation? That's what we're seeing. So for your million dollar invested, you're getting $1,200 a week return. Yeah. Whereas if you go and get buy a million dollar house in a million dollar apartment in Sydney, you're getting an eight hundred dollar a week return or a seven hundred dollar yeah. a week return. So you got a difference of, you know, five, six hundred dollars a week in terms of in terms of repayments, which can make a big difference. Now you yeah. guys might be thinking, well, I can afford an additional five, six hundred dollars a week, which most people can't, but let's just say you can that 500 $600 a week in terms of the bank, bank size will really limit you for future borrowing. Yeah. Uh, so even if you can't afford it, the banks won't like it and you're going to be very, very limited for 99% of borrowers to purchase more property after that. And that's why 90% of investors get stuck at two.
0: Yeah, well, that's a really great point. And I think a really great way to explain why rent vesting is a good, good way forward because a lot of People I speak to, they say, oh, I just want to buy the place to live first and then I'll look at that. And that's also another point of you. You're kind of capping out your serviceability with the banks by yeah. buying your, inv- your, your own occupier first. If you're buying to live first, the yeah. bank's going to look at that and be like, that's kind of all you can afford. Yeah. So to buy an investment is going to make it a lot harder for yourself and that's why the the term rent vesting or like renting where you want to live and investing – I definitely will go down the strategy of investing first and getting a really strong portfolio behind me yeah. before I buy my own owner occupier.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, that's what I did for 10 years, Yeah, um, reinvested for 10 years. And then obviously when you have a family, um, you get different priorities and different things become yeah. more important. But that was our strategy for 10 years. And it, yeah. it, we wouldn't have been able to do what we have done if it wasn't for that reinvesting strategy. Yeah. So you touched on WA. What about are we seeing that same? Are we seeing the same around the other state around Adelaide and Queensland as well, or is something is it a bit different in those other states?
0: Adelaide and Queensland, so two very different markets again. But yeah, we're actually starting to see in some of the more so in Queensland we we're mainly in the regional Queensland Queensland areas. Yep. And what we're seeing in comparison to so in South Australia they've had a lot of their growth due to rents increasing, yep. rental scarcity. Yeah. So people can't actually find a rental property. Yep. So those people are actually looking like, okay, here's a rental property. I'm going to be up against 50 people for that rental property. Yep. Rental prices have increased, yep. so I could probably afford to buy this instead. The same so price, that, right? For so the same price and not have to worry about not being able to rent somewhere. Yeah. So what happens then is that a lot of people have that shift in their mindset of, okay, I'm now going to buy instead of rent. So then they buy. So then obviously the demand and the competition for the the buying market increases massively. So that's when you get, in South Australia, you were sometimes seeing properties sell for fifty to seventy thousand dollars over the asking price, on, and that's
1: on a four hundred thousand dollar property, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. So it'll be listed as three fifty to four hundred, and it'll be selling for four seventy. Wow.
1: Something crazy. So that's crazy. like fifteen twenty percent. Yeah. If you go, let's just go four. It's it's around a fifteen percent over the guide. And I remember yeah. that that was last year, right? Yeah.
0: So and I think it's still going in that way. And I think it's because rentals became harder. More people were like, okay, well, I may as well buy. It's the same price on the mortgage. So then there was that competition in the market for buying. But then the vicious cycle of that is because people weren't buying as investments, they were buying to live, then there was even less availability for rentals. Correct. So then it just is this this vicious cycle of there's not enough rentals in the first place, so they buy, and then there's less rentals, so those people buy, and it just keeps doing that cycle um, so that's one thing massively noticed in Adelaide, which is starting to happen, I think in regional Queensland as yep. well.
1: Okay. so you are like I, I totally agree with you. I know Mike was speaking with an agent for Adelaide earlier this week and he said this year has picked up faster than last year was in terms of buyer demand. Uh, but then the rental demand has also increased significantly or in terms of buyer demand and the rental, rental demand has actually decreased slightly. So it's totally aligned with what, with what you're saying and what we're seeing. And that's something important for you guys to, to think about who are considering getting into the property market. This is the cycle that happens everywhere at different times mm-hmm. where property prices get up to a point where they become extremely expensive. People can't afford to buy them anymore. So people start renting then the rents become extremely expensive, that's when prices drop, then that's when you get these difference in yields. So yields become higher, yields become lower, this is, that's how all this happens. So for those of you sort of thinking whether you know the property markets will continue to grow or whatever it might be, as population does increase, which uh, in some of the Perth markets we're expecting 70% increase in the next 11 years. Yeah, And we know there's over 200,000 people coming into the country annually now. So, um, population, as you touched on, is significantly increasing. A lot of these people will start renting. Rents will continue to increase across more so around Sydney and Melbourne. Then those people, rents will increase to a point where they'll become so unaffordable. Those people who have been here for a few years from overseas, then they'll be able to save a deposit to then buy. That's when you see capital growth come forward. And it yeah. is just this cycle that we've seen time and time again.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: So, is there anything else you want to touch on before we are, before we? Uh, leave the listeners for today. I think we've added a ton of value. Uh, I think, um, I think yeah, we have added a ton of value, but was there anything yeah. else?
0: Not really. I suppose just to say to people that are thinking of investing just to do it, like if you're nervous about it, that's fair. Like you're putting a lot of money into this, but I, I personally think there's no better way to spend your money to be able to generate that wealth for your future and yeah. to generate that financial independence. I do not see a better way to be honest doing this job, I've noticed, I've seen how people come back to us time and time again, just using the equity. And if you, if you have any questions on that, please feel free to reach out and we can explain what we're meaning by all of these terms, because I think sometimes it can be so overwhelming that again, it might just kind of paralyze people because they don't understand it. Yeah. And I think just trying to understand it. It's actually quite simple when you think about it. Once you understand it, it's it makes a lot of sense and it is quite simple. But like I said before, I think there's no better way because if you put your money into a bank account or into other forms of investments, I just think there's the biggest difference between anything else and property is using the bank's money to leverage, to be able to grow your wealth. So all you're really starting with is a very small amount and that's kind of where your risk ends. Yep. Whereas with other styles of investing, it can be a lot more volatile for one, but then also you can only invest what you've got. Like you can't take a loan out to invest. And that's yep. where like my 60,000, could I would then have an asset that is worth $400,000 yep. and then over time, obviously way more. So I just think once people understand the leverage that they've got through investing in property, it's a no brainer. Yeah. And as long as you're buying smartly, it's a very safe decision. And I, yeah, I just can't explain enough how, how much I, like, I can't recommend it enough to, to try to start your journey, whether that, That's where I'm at with with just saving for your first deposit or whether you've got that money there ready to buy. I just cannot recommend highly enough to start investing your money in property.
1: 100%. I'd, I'd... Totally agree with that. And we talk about the power of leverage all the time. So you just mentioned if you've got sixty thousand dollars, you can turn it into three hundred and fifty or four hundred thousand dollars. If you get yeah. a ten percent return on four hundred thousand dollars, that's a lot more than a ten percent return on your sixty thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, so so that's what you guys want to think about with leverage and, and we're totally aligned with that. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna put your Instagram Instagram handle, is that what they call it the kids these days? I think so,
0: yeah. <laughs> Instagram, Instagram handle
1: Instagram handle yeah. on the uh on the show notes. So anyone that does have any questions for 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 property in general or in terms of equity or whatever it might be, they can reach out to you that way.
0: Yeah, for sure because just to touch on that briefly, the, the whole goal of me creating an Instagram for property is just to help other women understand it and I'm going to be breaking down a lot of the terms in layman's terms just simple to understand and hopefully people can start to understand and start to realize that it's available and achievable for them as well
1: what is the uh, we'll put in the show notes what is the handle as well
0: it's empowered through property
1: okay perfect we'll put that in there and look, if you guys have any questions reach out to Christy thanks a lot for coming on today
0: you're welcome thanks guys thanks for listening to the lazy equity podcast. The advice given on this podcast is of a general nature only, and you should make your own decisions before taking any financial risks. If you would like to stay in touch with the show, join the Lazy Equity Facebook group or find the Investors Agency on Instagram and Facebook.